Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. But really, I would say the biggest thing for inflammation and for limiting the amount of, of fat that you're able to burn, the amount of fatty acids that your adipose tissue can release would be the consumption of seed-based oils. I mean, that that is probably the number one thing in our day and age, especially in the Western diet that is contributing to you know, a host of chronic disease factors, but particularly inflammation. Welcome to Betty Bites, a decidedly delicious, short and sweet mind snack for your brain to chew on. I've gone back into the Betty library and pulled out my favorite Betty sound bites, a recipe you might say. It's bits of wisdom, sprinkles of knowledge, and a dash of dry humor for you to do and be better. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery, and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth 
box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. Uh, listeners of the podcast can appreciate, you know, an acute inflammatory episode. Like, you know, if, if it's a physical, if it's in the physical vertical, that might be like, you know, a fall off a ladder or you injure yourself at the gym or something. And maybe like a, a that might be a distress, a eustress might be exercise. Um, but chronic inflammation, this sort of low grade subclinical inflammation can be the reason why for many, even though they might be practicing eat less, move more calories in, they're watching their calories versus their calories out, might like the, the, the weight might not be um, shifting for them. So can you, uh, can you outline for us what are some of the reasons why we might, or, or some of the ways in which we might be experiencing this subclinical, what I call chronic low-grade inflammation? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that can cause that type of inflammation. You know, some things are very obvious, like, you know, inadequate recovery from an exercise session because you're just beating yourself up with weight training or say like a CrossFit workout or a high intensity interval training session every single day without properly recovering. You know, that's why I'm a huge fan of using some kind of a wearable, you know, like a, like a ring or a wristband or, or something that will track what's called heart rate variability. Uh, which is essentially a really, really gold standard way to measure whether you are recovered. And even if you can't go out and say, get a blood test every day for, for a good inflammatory metric like HSCRP or fibrinogen or, or homocysteine or cytokines, you know, there's all these blood measurements you can get for inflammation, which, which is smart to do, you know, on maybe like a quarterly basis to see how you're doing as far as your internal biology goes. You're not going to go out and get a blood test every day. But the cool thing is that. Uh, by tracking your HRV and ensuring that it stays relatively high on a consistent basis, you kind of have a corollary to how recovered you are and how high your inflammation possibly is. Um, just because HRV, is a, it's a really good metric for things like inflammation, stress, readiness to train, recovery, etc. So just over-exercising would be one thing. You know, a lot, a lot of healthy people, that'd be one reason for inflammation. As a matter of fact, if you go in for like a blood test for inflammatory markers and you have exercised hard in the one or two days prior, many physicians, if they don't know that you've exercised hard, they'll actually think you're like at high risk for a heart attack or have rampant inflammation. When in fact, all you've done is, is just done a hard exercise session, which isn't bad, but it, but it can be if that's just like happening. Well, it's transiently inflammatory. Like it's transiently right. inflammatory to the body. I mean, it's a, it's a good, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Temporarily, unless it's overdone, you know, yeah. Yeah. and that's, that's interesting with some people. Um, you know, and you mentioned glycemic variability and, you know, those, those frequent fluctuations in blood sugar can not only be detrimental to some of those fat burning mechanisms that we talked about if you are attempting to increase your fat burning efficiency simply because your body's going to burn sugar as a preferential fuel source if you're constantly, say, like, you know, snacking six to 10 times a day, which shockingly some nutritionists and personal trainers will still tell people to do to, you know, keep their metabolism elevated and their energy levels topped off when in fact, 
all that does is just, you know, send your blood sugar levels on a roller coaster ride all day long and kind of keeps you from tapping into fats as a fuel. But the other thing is that that constant surge in blood glucose can also be inflammatory from a, from a vascular standpoint. And so being cognizant of the, the amount of time uh, during the day that you're eating and how frequent your snacking is and then trying to focus on eating just like, honestly, I eat two or three times a day. And in between, it's just, you know, water, gum, teas, coffees, things like that, that are relatively acaloric. That's a really good way, not only to maintain normalized glycemic variability, but also to keep your, your inflammation levels at bay. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna. It's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. But really, I would say the biggest thing for inflammation and for limiting the amount of, of fat that you're able to burn, the amount of fatty acids that your adipose tissue can release would be the consumption of seed-based oils. I mean, that that is probably the number one thing in our day and age, especially in the Western diet, that is contributing to you know, a host of chronic disease factors, but particularly inflammation. And you know, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not just name, talking about name some of them, name some of the seed oils of the listeners, or safflower oil, sunflower oil, any seed or nut that has had to have been exposed to high pressure or high heat for extraction, you know, versus some of the oils that don't require that amount of heat for extraction, such as, uh, like extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil or fats that are naturally stable or even solid at room temperature, like, um, coconut oil or butter, uh, macadamia. Damien oil is another decent oil that doesn't require a lot of pressure or heat to extract it. It's pretty, pretty stable. But a lot of the common uh, vegetable oils, you know, not only are they going to contribute to inflammation because they're already rancid, they're already oxidized, they're already going to cause an influx of, of free radicals and reactive oxygen species, which contribute to inflammation. But they'll also, um, you know, this is really interesting, you know, linoleic acid, particularly, which is a, a pretty significant component of vegetable oil, it can actually induce a little bit of um, almost like, like a highly insulin uh, sensitive state which uh, within fat cells, which you'd think would be a good thing. We always hear insulin sensitivity is good and insulin resistance is bad. But the problem is if your fat cells are in an extremely insulin sensitive state, that means that they are equipped to 
take in energy. They're equipped to take in fat and not necessarily release it quite as readily. So it's really interesting in that the, the regular consumption of vegetable oils actually make your fat cells less resistant to releasing fat. It, it causes what's called fat cell hypertrophy. So you may have heard of muscle hypertrophy before where you're putting on muscle. Well, the consumption of vegetable oil actually puts you in a fat cell hypertrophy state where the fat cells get bigger and bigger because they're storing more and more uh, uh, fat. And so you have all these big fluffy fat cells that are just soaking up energy because of the consumption of vegetable oil, putting them in an insulin sensitive state. And so that's, you know, that in addition to inflammation kind of makes vegetable oils a, a one-two whammy. So yeah, over-exercising, over-snacking, or just rampant glycemic variability, uh, consumption of vegetable oils, those would be a few of the biggies. And then one, I'd be remiss not to mention, just because a lot of people don't talk about this, but it is something you have to consider. And that would be just, just the host of what would be what would be called non-native electromagnetic fields that we are bombarded with on a regular basis that we know can cause damage to cell membranes. Um, I'm talking about 5G, Wi-Fi, even you know higher intensity Bluetooth to a certain extent. Um, a lot of a lot of appliances, a lot of cell phone signals. All these things can cause low grade inflammation, and we can we we can't deny the fact that you know, for, for thousands and thousands of years, humans were never exposed to these type of signals. And now we're having to deal with them on a, on a daily basis. And so that's another thing to just be, be aware of. I talk about that in my book, you know, I lay out all these different things like, you know, digital wall timers and household cleaning methods and, and, you know, cell phone protection, you know, methods and, and ways that you can kind of mitigate some of this non-native EMF exposure, but that's actually, it's, it's, it's pretty significant, especially if you're living in a, you know, an urban environment or, you know, you're constantly tied to technology. It's, it's just, it's something to think about for sure. In addition to some of those dietary and movement factors. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love that. And I love what you're saying about vegetable oils, because I think, uh, and in the book, you actually say this, I think that these can be actually more detrimental than sugar, right? And when we think about sugar, you know, it's, we've kind of, when we think about the pendulum of, you know, vilified compounds, right? Like it was cholesterol used to be the big thing and fats were like the big no-no. And it's almost like now the pendulum has swung the other way where sugar is the devil, insulin is the devil. And you know, while I'm a big advocate for a carbohydrate appropriate diet, I'm not saying that you should just have all the sugar, all the cakes, the cookies, the crackers. I do think that the, um, the vegetable oils, I agree, like this is a really good point in the book that you made where it, the vegetable oils are actually, you know, more oxidizable, more rancid and actually create, activate some of these like NRF2, like these inflammatory pathways in the body and sugar. Yes. Okay. We're going to have like this, po you know, maybe you have this postprandial rise in, in glucose for like two hours, but then it's done. Right. But the, it's the cognitive dissonance and like the beating yourself up and the, oh my God, I can't believe I had the piece of cake. And like, I've ruined the thing. Uh, I've ruined my diet. I'm, I'm like, there's something wrong with me. I think that that can actually cause more damage, right? Because now you're increasing cortisol and these counter-regulatory hormones uh, around sympathetic, yeah. you know, around the yeah. sympathetic I, dominance. I, I say in the book, you know, if you were, I think I give an analogy like this, if you were to offer me like a stick of cotton candy or like a, a corn dog at the fair, I'd totally choose the cotton candy 10 times out of 10 because frankly, if I have to, I can actually burn that glucose, right? I, I could go out and exercise. I could actually burn that sugar and it's going to, not cause as much of an effect as the rancid oils in something like a fried food, like a right. corn dog, because those are going to contribute to the fatty acids that comprise my cell membranes for the next few months. 
right, and right. Uh, you know, and also contribute to some of the inflammatory processes that we talked about. And so, yeah, I mean, if if you had to choose, you know, the the lesser of two evils, vegetable oil versus sugar, it'd certainly be sugar, simply because it can be burnt. And, and active individuals, you know, we know that. You know, for me, you know, back in my Ironman training days, when I'd consume like a fructose and maltodextrin 200 calorie gel <laughs> while hammering on my bike down the highway, like that's that's not doing anything from a health stem. You know, maybe a little bit of gut fermentation or something like that. We all know endurance athletes fart a lot, but you know, in terms of like actual metabolic damage, my body's burning that. You know literally, you know, almost as soon as it comes in. As you're drinking whereas, it, yeah. Whereas, yeah. yeah. whereas if I were to be, you know, say say like, you know, eating a, a burger in that same situation, it'd be an entirely different metabolic scenario. All right, Bettys, if you found that that little snippet wet your appetite and you are looking for more, you can go to our show notes for this episode. And in the show notes, we will have a link for you to click on and it will bring you to the full, robust, juicy conversation. 